The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. To London we go. Director and Africa Analyst at Signal Risk is Ronak Gopoldis, who's on the line to us this evening. Uh, Ghana. Uh, is Ghana a goner? There was a fear at one stage that it would be, but there seems to be some hope. Uh, it's still a bit bleak, Bruce. Um, I mean, just looking at the stats, you know, the currency lost 40% of its value this year. It's been downgraded twice by S&P and Fitch, uh, and is now in the seed bucket. Inflation still north of, of 30%, uh, which has breached the target of between 6 and 10% for, for consecutive months. Rate hikes don't seem to be working. Uh, the interest rate's up to 24.5%. So, you know, they're trying to remedy the situation on their own, and it's quite clear that, that that's not working. So this is why the IMF has been called in. Um, Ghana's seeking a $3 billion funding program from the, the IMF. And the IMF was recently in Accra um, challenging policymakers, you know, the, the Bank of Ghana um, and the finance minister and other key actors. Um, there's still a lot of questions, but it seems that that was quite constructive. Uh, we've got to hear the details around what comes next. Um, will the debt be restructured or will they go for uh, a real austere program? Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, you know, what happens now is that the IMF will go back, complete its debt sustainability analysis, uh, and that's going to determine which approach is taken. Um, in terms of timelines, it kind of looks like the, they want something, uh, a staff level agreement to be in place by the end of the year, uh, but still the, the economy remains in, in ICU and uh, we await eagerly to see what the IMF has to say. Is Lesotho any closer to getting some form of government that actually works for the people of Lesotho? I mean, there was a really big surprise in the recent election. Um, as you mentioned, this is a country that's been characterized by political dysfunction uh, for the past decade. It's been governed by a string of coalition governments that have, have not worked. Uh, no premier has served a full five-year term. And in, in looking at this recent election result, uh, a political party formed six months ago won the most votes in the election. So um, Sam Matekane, who started the Revolution for Prosperity Party, um, was basically Lesotho's equivalent of Patrice Motsepe, won 56 out of 120 seats in parliament. Uh, it's not quite the mark required to reach the 61% seat threshold for a single party to rule. So that means it needs to find a coalition partner. Um, but, you know, all change in Lesotho, uh, the old Basutu Convention Party, which led the outgoing government, only won eight of the 120 seats in parliament. And that really tells us a couple of things. One is that there's huge apathy in Lesotho. People are fed up of the political system. Fewer people voted uh, in this election than they did in 1993, which was the introduction of multi-party democracy. So the turnout was only 37%, which is, which is quite telling. Uh, and then the second thing is that, like in many other parts of the continent, people in Lesotho are really desperate for change. Um, you know, we saw it in Malawi, we saw it in Zambia. To a large extent, we saw it in Kenya. Uh, people are fed up and, and want to, to kind of take, uh, to take their country in a different direction, and they're exercising this desire through the ballot box. So hopefully the start of a new era and we see some positive governance change in Lesotho, a functioning coalition, and hopefully an end to the gridlock and the inertia that we've seen over the past decade. And Burkina Faso, which uh, feels like it goes from coup to coup, um, is there another one? 
Yeah, there, there has been another one. And uh, I think I've said on your show before, you know, when there's a coup, it hardly ever ends well. And we basically had a coup within a coup. We know we had one in January. Uh, now, just a few days ago, we had another one. And the transitional president, uh, uh, Paul Henri Damiba, has been replaced by Ibrahim Traore. Um, and the coup is basically in response to a number of grievances against the Damiba regime, which is basically that some of the soldiers weren't being paid and the spread of terrorism in the country. Um, so that's created some unhappiness and dissatisfaction. Again, various parts of the military then intervened, and we've now got new leadership, albeit led by a military junta. Now, in terms of what we're watching, what does this mean for the transitional government? There's a roadmap to hand over to civilian rule, as was agreed by this government or the previous government and ECOWAS, which is the 1st of July, 2024, is that still going to be maintained? The new uh, president has said yes, but, you know, talk is cheap and we'll have, to, we'll have to see a lot can happen in that period. I mean, we've had two coups in one year already. Um, and then the, the second issue is these grievances, uh, are they going to be addressed? I think it's quite obvious that the financial concessions to the armed forces will be made at least to ensure some loyalty in the short term. A review of the counterterrorism strategy is important. But interestingly, a lot of the rhetoric is now around establishing closer military ties with Russia, um, which seems to resonate with the uh, Burkinabi population. And that's going to put it on a collision course with Western partners, the likes of France, the EU, the US, um, in terms of not only financing, but also the security infrastructure. Um, in terms of aid, growth and investment, and, you know, potentially diplomatic and commercial isolation. So a very high-risk strategy from this new uh, Burkina Faso government, um, I think just adds to the volatility in what is already uh, a very strained economic climate. And then we get things settling down in Kenya. We've got a new uh, president of Kenya, Mr. Ruto, of course. He's been building his cabinet. It was a, a very close one race in, um, in Kenya. Are things there likely to, uh, to settle down as well? Because that was democracy in action, if we haven't seen it for a while in, in that part of the world. Yeah, things are shaping up. I mean, the economy has serious challenges, debt levels, inflation, forex issues. So there's no honeymoon period. And Ruto has gotten to work immediately. Uh, he's signed the flurry of executive orders and he's put together his cabinet. And uh, it seems like he understands the gravity of the situation. Um, so, I mean, a couple of things that we're watching is personnel. And here he had a very important balancing act between getting kind of technocrats that the market would like versus rewarding the people that backed him uh, and, and propelled him to, uh, to, to victory. And he's kind of like any wily politician managed a bit of both. He supported some of his loyalists, which will ensure, I guess, policy alignment um, and, and loyalty. But at the same time, you know, the finance minister was, was a position that was watched quite closely by the markets. And we've got an established figure over here in Juguna Ndungu, who is not politically affiliated. He was the former central bank governor. He's a technocrat. Um, so he's a known entity over here, and markets, I think, have been quite receptive to this. And then the second thing to watch is the policy orientation. You know, he's, he's really advocated a bottom-up economic approach, uh, but, you know, as, as we say, you campaign in poetry and you govern in prose. So a lot of, lot of uh, people have been wondering, you know, is there going to be uh, a populist approach to this administration in terms of policy? Um, I think, you know, in that regard, no 
real signs yet. Um, and I think the administration will largely be constrained by the external environment. Uh, they're going to have to be quite compliant with IMF guidelines and fiscally quite conservative. Um, I think we are seeing some change in the economic diplomacy side of things, where uh, Ruto campaigned quite actively against China on the campaign trail. And it seems that the economic diplomacy approach will, will be friendlier towards the West and also really prioritize regional and African peers. And then one other area to watch quite closely is the relationship with the central bank. Um, you know, some of the rhetoric and the discourse lately has kind of raised eyebrows around potential tensions with the, the central bank around fiscal and monetary policy working together. Um, the current governor, his term expires next year, um, and so he's going to need to be replaced. So let's watch that relationship quite, quite closely. Um, but generally, things are shaping up for this new administration in, in Kenya. Thank you, Rona Kapoldis, as always, Director and Africa Analyst at Signal Risk, keeping a very firm finger on the African pulse, of course, keeping you up to date also with some of the more fundamental issues which affect the economies of the African continent. And most times it's to do with the people who've been elected into power or have taken power in many of these economies who are, of course, uh, in our focus.